Hello, and welcome back to Season 3, Episode 3 of the Perspective Podcast. Today, I am going to be sitting down with Emmy Renner, the owner of charcuterie business Sophisticated Spreads. Now, Sophisticated Spreads is an LA-based charcuterie board company specializing in cheese board boxes that are delivered right to your doorstep, as well as large grazing table events. They use high-quality ingredients like artisan cheeses and locally sourced fruits to provide the best charcuterie-enjoying experience. Now, Emmy has been extremely successful in this venture, so I'm excited to hear more about her experience as a young entrepreneur navigating life as a full-time student, business owner, and all of the crazy stories that have come up along the way. With that being said, let's see what Emmy's perspective really is. Welcome to Perspective. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Of course. Just to, like I always do, give the listeners a little bit of context. So I met Emmy at a Founder Society dinner. Shout out Jake, who put that all together. And then I had the pleasure of hearing you speak in my entrepreneurship class, which was just like the perfect preface to this conversation because I got to hear a little bit about your story and just say you were so well-spoken and I'm so excited because you have so many fun stories and I feel like the way you go about entrepreneurship is so fun and exciting so I'm excited to bring that to the podcast today thank you all right so again to begin like I usually do if you could just give the little a little bit about yourself to the listeners so they have some context in everything you do that would be awesome you know like where you're from all that good stuff that led up to you starting the business perfect Uh, my name is Emmy Renner and I'm a junior at USC and studying business and I started sophisticated spreads which is a cheese board company based here in Los Angeles I started that in September of 2020 during my gap year after high school when I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and what direction I wanted to head in career-wise and we now cater all throughout LA in Orange County and we do events kind of around the world but specifically and mostly in California and then we also have cheese board boxes that you can order directly on the website. Nice and if you could take me back a little bit to when you had your gap year why did you decide to take gap year and also did you know that you wanted to start a company during that time or was this something that you just like had an idea and acted on it and it was kind of random? Yeah I mean, in the beginning, when I first decided to take the gap year, it was very coincidental. It was just that COVID was happening. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to be in my dorm room across the country. And so I decided to take a gap year just like with the intention of taking a year off and trying to figure out kind of what I was going to do from there. So I was committed to go to the University of Michigan and I just had deferred from there. And so that was like fully my plan was the next September I was going to be going. So I just needed something to kind of do for a year, but I didn't really want, I had worked in a flower shop all of high school and I didn't want to continue working there. And I wanted something a little bit more stimulating because Mm -hmm. I had gone from taking all my AP classes, being so focused focused in school. I didn't want to do a full year of just kind of letting my brain like die out. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted something that was going to be engaging and exciting. And I loved making cheese boards. And I saw that in society, we don't really have like a, you know, a common cheese board company that comes to mind. And so I thought that there was a need for it. And that was kind of the initial idea behind it, but it was really humble intentions of just bringing people together through cheese boards when, you know, COVID was happening and people weren't really having dinner parties. So in the beginning, it was a lot of people ordering it for like date nights and, and just small, small gatherings. And I had no idea of what direction I was going to go in from there. Mm-hmm. 
And what was, like, the first step that you took? So, were you, like, doing cheese boards for, like, family and friends, and then it grew? Or did you, like, start a website? Or, like, what was, like, that first step that you took? Yeah. So, in high school, my parents, we would have dinner parties, and my dad would always be, like, he would tell my sister, like, you're going to be in charge of, like, the handcrafted cocktail, even though she was, like, underage. And then she, <laughs> and then he was, like, you're going to do the appetizer. And so, he would tell me, like, just make a cheese board of some sort. And so, I would, you know, like everyone else, go on Pinterest, and I was, like, finding images. And that's when I started making cheese boards just for fun for small groups. And then I was posting them on Instagram and people would see like on my Instagram story and I don't have that many followers. So like my friends and family were like, oh my gosh, I love this cheese board. So people knew I liked making them. Mm -hmm. And then this is actually a short story I don't share very often. But in March of 2020, like the week before COVID hit, I, a friend of mine who lives in Miami, she had reached out to me and she said, "Um, my dad's 60th birthday is coming up and we're going to throw a huge party and it was for a very high net worth individual and all of his friends and everything like that and so they wanted to, they were flying in all the caterers for this event and they wanted to fly in me for oh the cheese board and so I was 18 years old I was a senior in high school and I was like I don't have a business like I just make them and I've never made one that was like large enough for 60 people I'd only done it for like maybe 10 or 15 and so I had seen photos of grazing tables had never done one in my life but assumed I probably could figure it out so I flew to Miami and this was like March 6th of 2020. Yeah, That's crazy. crazy. So I flew there. I went to Trader Joe's, got all my (laughs) stuff. And I was like, okay, this is like what I know to do, like how to do. And I walked into the house and it was so funny because they had flown in this like big time caterer from New York City to Miami. And he was in the kitchen like prepping. And as he was prepping everything, he like, I was coming in and kind of like trying to find what table I was going to be setting up on and like just kind of in Mm -hmm. a space and he was like oh don't go over there that's like where the charcuterie artist is coming in like (laughs) don't touch that table and I was like oh okay no worries oh and I was just like so embarrassed because I was like 18 and I didn't know how to like handle conflict and so I like (laughs) ran off and like the table was in the other room so I like scurried into the other room with all my stuff and then I like proceeded to set up the whole table and everyone then arrived at the party and started commenting and they were like oh my gosh this is amazing and then he came up to me like like an hour into the party and it was so funny because everyone was sitting and hovering over the grazing table and nobody was at the station of like Mm. kind of like classic old style buffet food and so nobody was eating it and so he came over and he was apologized and he was like I'm really sorry for what I said that was incredibly insulting and like you have a business here like you need to you have something and you need to like flourish you know with this idea and I was like okay thanks like (laughs) I'm going to Michigan like I'm going to be studying political science but Thank you very much. (laughs) And then like a week later, the world shut down. And then I was like, oh, okay. So, I mean, he really is like the, it's crazy. It's like such a weird coincidence, but he really planted the seed for the business. Wait, I love that story. That's awesome. That reminds me in the entrepreneurship class, you said launch now and adapt later. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you saying yes to that experience to make a grazing table for 60 people (laughs) like whoa doing that for the first time is like a lot 60 people like even when I make like a charcuterie board which is not anything like yours for like my family of like six it's like huge and like so time consuming so I'm like can't even imagine that can't even wrap my head around that (laughs) but I feel like that's a perfect example of you doing that and it really paying off because then you were able to like that chef was able to tell you that and kind of like validate that you really have a business idea here yeah So is that why you took a gap year or was that just like you didn't want to, you know, do COVID? No, in all honesty, 
um, I was like kind of following and seeing where COVID, like what was happening with mm-hmm. it. And like when I committed to go to Michigan, I was like thinking, oh, this is going to be over by like July. Yeah. And I then, was thinking that too. Yeah. I was like, this will be fine. Like, I'm just going to wait it out. It's going to be a slow summer or whatever. And then like mid July, Michigan came out and said like, when you move into your dorm room, you're going to be getting all your food from the cafeteria, eating it in your room. You're not going to be able to socialize with other people. Like they were really strict on stuff. And I was just like... I don't think that this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, yeah. I just had this gut feeling where I was like, I'm, I've am i never been somebody who's been, like, depressed or unhappy where I am. And I just have a feeling that if I go to this, like, all the way across the country, away from my family and everything, I was like, I don't think it's going to end up well. And so I just thought, like, I went onto their portal. They had, like, a defer option. So I literally just was like, parents, I'm taking a gap year. I have no idea what I'm going to do. But so it wasn't really at all cheese board related. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of, it was more just, like, mental health. And I was just like, I don't think that this is it for me. Yeah, totally. I get that. So then, in the pandemic, you started to develop this business. And was that, like, a super scary thing? Like, or were you kind of, again, just, like, adapting as you were going? Did you have a mentor, like, coaching you through it? I know you said that your family is, like, a big help with it, too. So can you kind of walk me through what that was like in the beginning stages? I think that during COVID, it was a perfect time because so many people were, like, quitting their jobs and, Mm -hmm. like, or getting fired from their jobs. And, like, there was just so much movement that, like, nobody was really being judgmental about what other people were doing. And so I think in that sense, like, I didn't feel like there was a lot of pressure on me and for somebody who had grown up in like such an academic focus and like always wanting to just like go to school and then like get that degree and then get that job it was Mm -hmm. like the first time I was kind of like felt no pressure at all and so I actually didn't feel like it was a scary move for me it felt very I mean I wasn't like creating huge waves I was just making cheese boards so it wasn't like a big I mean it was a big step but it wasn't like you know life life changing I guess in that time um so I didn't feel like it was too scary in the beginning and I definitely had a lot of help and support and I think that like my parents always took it very seriously from the beginning and I think that a lot of other people maybe try to start businesses and other people will put them down or people in their Mm -hmm. family will judge them and I can just say that like I had the most supportive family and support system in general like even friends and everything that were just kind of like you do your thing and I kind of you know have always been like I'm gonna do this and people are like okay (laughs) um but I guess that not a lot of people were like shocked by my initiative to do it and Mm -hmm. just because I've always kind of been like a confident person who's like ready to take on whatever life's gonna throw at me so I felt definitely very supported and and, and I have a lot of mentors when it comes to like business stuff and just like life in general so yeah Mm -hmm. well it's amazing that you were able to turn like a passion and something that you liked into an actual business because I feel like that's when the best things happen because people are like have an actual interest in it mm-hmm. and it's not just like doing it for whatever reasons yeah. but I was wondering if you could talk about a little bit at least in the beginning stages like where you were sourcing everything from because like a big a big value proposition of sophisticated spreads in my opinion is the fact that everything's like such high quality and locally sourced so I was wondering if you could like talk about how that and how you like made relationships with suppliers and all that stuff because I feel like I would not know where to find good quality cheese yeah. in California So I think in the beginning, I just kind of analyzed, like, what other people were doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, I've always just kind of had, like, an eye for that where I can see, like, oh, like, this isn't, like, most of the competition out there, besides a few other, like, competitors, I guess, are mostly sourcing from Trader Joe's, Costco, and they're just, like, reshaping the same items Mm -hmm. that you could probably get at the grocery store and make on your own. And so I thought 
you know, there's amazing cheeses in America and specifically in California that isn't really highly regarded when you look at it on like an international scale. And I guess I didn't really know that at the time, but I did know of certain creameries like Cowgirl Creamery, for example, like even before I started Sophisticated Spreads, I knew about it and it was high quality cheese. And I kind of did a little bit of research and I found out that like Point Reyes, California, which is like Bay Area, Marin County, is where most of the cheese is being made in California. And so I made a plan. I was like, texted a friend of mine and I I was like, do you want to go up with me? Like I reached out to a bunch of cheesemakers and had a bunch of like appointments scheduled for me to go visit the different farms and everything. And at this point, I wasn't really offering anything to them. Like it was more like mm. I wanted to learn. I mean, I had like I offered that I was going to take photos of their stuff and put it on social media. Or they could use it on their social pages. But I just kind of wanted to like understand more about the process of cheese making and what makes it high quality versus why would I not just buy everything at Trader Joe's? And mm. so not that Trader Joe's isn't high quality. I yeah. love their cheeses. But um, yeah, so that was kind of like in the beginning how I started sourcing for cheeses is that I just did a little bit of research, but it like all roads kind of led to Rome. It was like everything was just pointing me back to Marin County. And so Mm. I went up there and just developed some relationships with the people there. And it's like, once you meet one person, I would be like, oh, yeah, I just went to Cowgirl yesterday yesterday." and they would be like, oh, have you met this person and this person? And they all like, it's a very tight knit community. So like, I felt like I was able to really enter into that world. And now I have a bunch of friends and colleagues and, you know, mentors up there. And then as far as the other stuff, I actually like started going, I worked at a farmer's market selling cheese. Once I understood enough about the cheese to sell it, I started working there. And then I met a lot of like the farmers and the Mm -hmm. producers and the growers and everything like that. So and I've always kind of had an appreciation for like artisan goods and just high quality stuff, especially growing up in California. I feel like you can always have an appreciation for that stuff. And Mm so I it, it was like kind of a no brainer for me on where to source the fruits and veggies, which was just like farmers markets in the beginning and then establishing relationships with those people so that I could just directly order through them. That's so fun, like going to the different creameries and learning about it all, Mm -hmm. because I feel like there's so much to learn about that whole sector and even like wine, like throwing that into like there's so much to learn. But that's also so exciting because then you get to implement it into the business and pair certain things together and whatnot. Did you learn a lot about pairings too or yeah I mean I I like it was funny because I didn't know anything about so I felt like I knew a little bit about cheese mm-hmm. I mean compared to people in the industry like not that much but I knew enough to get by but I didn't know anything about wine and so a lot of people would ask me like oh what should I pair it with or like you know mm. I mean at, in the beginning they were asking me to like what can we buy wine from you and I was like I don't have a liquor license I'm like <laughs> underage but um yeah I mean I kind of started to understand pairings but I was when I was at the Malibu farmer's market selling my cheese I was stationed next to the wine people mm. and it's called C- centralis wine and so the guy and I when he like we weren't getting that many sales and so I just was like well I'm here already so I started just asking him a ton of questions about Mm, wine and so I learned a lot through him and then I've been up to Napa Valley a bunch and like done a lot of wine tastings I mean definitely have a lot to learn on that front but in general like I've done a lot of cheese tastings where they pair and they like have recommendations and stuff like that so I think I'm starting to get better about the pairing but definitely a lot to learn Mm mm-hmm I give you a lot of credit for even trying to learn because when I was studying abroad in Rome, oh went gosh. to a lot of cheese and wine tastings, and I could not tell you one thing I learned. Like, it was all super interesting, yeah. but I just, like, could not retain it all because, like, all the names were a little bit similar, yeah. but, like, a little bit different, so props to you. <laughs> I definitely feel like with cheese, it's easier for me. I don't know what it is. I think it's, I mean, some of them, like, look very different, mm-hmm. so then you can associate it differently in your mind. With wine, I feel like it's always a shot in the dark. I'm like... I just started guessing 
guessing. They're like, yeah. "What do you taste?" I was like, "Orange." And they were like, "Right." I was like, "Yes." That's like for the most part, honestly, if you throw out like dark chocolate, they'll be like, yes. "Oh, absolutely." And like Woody. fruity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so true. Oh my gosh. So now back to beginning stages of sophisticated spreads. Were the orders rolling in? Was it a little bit of a slow burn? Were people hearing about you from? other people or social media like how was the initial business going I mean initially I could pretty much like go through every single order and I was like oh that's a family friend this is a neighbor (laughs) that's my cousin and so I like I knew in the beginning Mm -hmm. everyone who's ordering and it definitely wasn't like I mean I like got ready to launch on September 1st and I was like okay like all the orders are gonna start to roll in and then sure enough like we didn't really get any and so I think that I was ready for a lot and then it was definitely a slow burn for probably the first like year I would say we weren't Mm -hmm. really getting that many people who were ordering that weren't like either by word of mouth and still lived in my same community or that sort of thing and then once we started working with influencers that's when it really fluctuated and I was like oh my gosh like I remember the first order that came in that I didn't know Mm. anyone associated to the name and I was like okay we're like this is the next step and so we definitely delivered to a bunch of influencers and from that we would get some orders but I mean even to this day it's not like you know people think that a lot of people associate cheese boards with like big celebrations and so Mm -hmm. they don't really like think to order that during the week or like but a lot of there's some clients that we have that are sending them as gifts for birthdays Mm. and that sort of thing or like date night we just um a girl in my sorority just ordered like one for thursday night for a date night with her boyfriend so i think that like keeping it as a reminder that like it doesn't need to be a big celebration to have Mm -hmm. a cheese board and it can just be like a little life's little pleasure um but yeah i mean we have like a consistent amount of orders now but definitely in the beginning it was like hit and miss yeah and can you talk a little bit about i know there's so much to talk about with you (laughs) in social media Uh but specifically why did you think to like send your product i guess to influencers in the beginning were you just like trying to spread brand awareness like were you strategic with it or were you just kind of like i'm just gonna see what happens what was your thought process behind that yeah i mean in the beginning i knew that like our target demographic was gonna be mostly women which Mm -hmm. to this day it's 93 percent women so that was spot on and i realized that you can't order it unless you're in la or orange county Mm -hmm. so like me kind of doing mass targeted ads wasn't going to be super helpful and so Mm -hmm. i started working with influencers on the smaller scale that could create content that I could then use on my page because I also didn't want to spend a bunch of money constantly doing content shoots and like trying to gather friends together and it's just like kind of a nightmare sometimes Mm so I thought it would be beneficial not only for my own social page but if we could get a few followers from the whole thing that would be great too so we started delivering to small influencers like probably between I mean the first person I delivered to to, I remember she was like out in Eagle Rock which is like an hour and a half away and she had like 10,000 followers which I don't I don't know why I did that but there was definitely like on the higher end like 500,000 followers Mm -hmm. and then on the lower end like 10,000 and it was mostly just Instagram um, influencers in in the beginning yeah I was wondering specifically if you could talk about your love story with Sophia Regara. <laughs> my because, queen, my idol, Sophia. Yes. She actually just literally just placed an order yesterday again for tomorrow. She's so I think I'm you. Manifest, no, I'm manifesting it. I keep talking about her to people, and now she keeps ordering, which Wait. is great. So if Sophia, you're listening, I love you. Um, 
Yeah, it was it was kind of like the beginning of it all. So this was in December of 2020. So I'd been in business for three months and I was working at the Malibu Farmer's Market, had been doing that for like, I guess, a month or so. And my biggest conclusion, I guess, is that I'm pretty sure somebody on Jessica Alba's team had gone to the Malibu Farmer's Market, heard about me, heard about the story or something like that. And then Jessica Alba has this thing on Saturdays where she would shout out different small businesses. And so Mm. she did like a small business Saturday post and shouted out sophisticated spreads. And so she had never ordered from us. And it was kind of like, I was like, wow, you're really trusting like the product just based on Instagram. So she gave us a shout out, which was amazing. And I posted a TikTok being like, holy smokes, Jessica Alba just, you know, posted this thing for us and about like an hour after I made the TikTok or sorry I made the TikTok and then like an hour later Sophia Vergara started following us on Instagram so I was like freaking out because she was the highest paid actress in the world and I was like oh my goodness um I'm I've been obsessed with like modern family Mm -hmm. since I was a little child and so I was like oh I just I couldn't wait for her to place an order but she hadn't placed one yet and so then I kind of waited until it was Mother's Day and I was doing a collaboration with another brand and we were going to be giving back a portion of the proceeds to a shelter that helps like single moms and so I knew that Sophia had followed us but she hadn't ordered yet and mm-hmm. so I thought this is like a crazy chance that she actually responds to this but I might as well just shoot my shot so I sent her a DM on Instagram and was like we would love to get you a spread here's what we're doing let me know if you'd be interested or open to us delivering and she responded back immediately and was like here's my address here's my assistant's phone number like you know we're well, I'm excited to get your cheese board and so that like kind of was the beginning and so then she posted like right after that and shouted us out and said go buy Mother's Day spreads from us which was amazing and then for, ever since then she's been a loyal customer and has ordered like a bunch of like probably dozens of times at this point and she always shouts us out on Instagram which is amazing mm-hmm. and very exciting so I mean ever since then I've you know gotten a lot of followers just from her post and then I made another Instagram re- actually just recently where I kind of like talked about the love story between Mm -hmm. us like jokingly and it got like two million views on Instagram reels and she reshared it to her Instagram story and was like you deserve it like so proud of you or something which I it was just like it's so sweet so she's definitely a huge champion of the business and like Mm -hmm. a major reason why we are where we are today and yeah Love Sophia. And you've met her, like, in person, right? I have, Because you deliver everything. Yeah. So we... Now we have delivery drivers, and it's so funny. One of our delivery drivers is Colombian, and so she Mm. was, like... She had, like, seen that we delivered to Sophia, and she was, like, please, like, please, like, I just want to meet Sophia. And she delivered a bunch of times, and Sophia never answered the door. Mm. And then, like, on the seventh time that she delivered, she finally answered, and she apparently told Sophia, like, I'm Colombian. And so they had, like, a whole moment. But, um, yeah, she's amazing. I mean, I, like, delivered one time to her... And not to like, <laughs> this might, I probably shouldn't be sharing these details, but she like had just come out of the shower and she had like her hair up in like a little towel and oh my had her glasses on and like totally didn't like, wasn't all like to do, but she just looked so beautiful and mm-hmm. she was like, oh my gosh, like I'm so excited for the big cheese board. And she's, yeah, amazing. So sweet. Celebrities, they're just like us. <laughs> they really are. They're just like us. <laughs> they really are. Okay. So you were like doing a lot of Instagram, reaching out to influencers and of course, just Alba, Sofia Vergara, that all happened. And then you started posting more on TikTok. So I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could talk about your strategy for that. I know just like being our generation, I feel like 
we don't even have a strategy but like we just still we just yeah. get it mm-hmm. but I was wondering if you talk about that a little bit and like how you found success through that platform yeah I feel like I kind of stumbled into TikTok like mm-hmm. I definitely knew the value add of posting on Instagram and I knew that people were going to order from it and that it was important to have a good feed but TikTok I didn't really understand I've never really made videos before that and so I was kind of like clumsy about it and basically like posted a very random video talking about the first time that Jessica Alba had followed us and shared that story and it was kind of just like a very authentic genuine reaction of what had happened and it ended up doing incredibly well and I think that if it hadn't done well I probably like would have it would have taken me a lot longer to to really see the value add in TikTok but that popped off got like 800,000 views and got 20,000 followers overnight and I was like oh my goodness and that now to like is so difficult I feel like to grow that much on TikTok even like if you have a very viral video and so it was amazing and I started posting more consistently and definitely I feel like TikTok just responds to like more authentic stuff Mm -hmm. and I felt like I could really be myself and I think that that's where like my personality on social media really began to shine versus Instagram was more like heavily curated a lot of photos of influencers and I and at that time I wasn't posting Instagram reels so it was just like sometimes I would post about myself but for the most part it was TikTok where I started doing a lot of storytelling talking about things that went completely south with the business or like crazy moments where I like accepted something when I shouldn't probably have accepted that order or just like all the highs the lows and the celebrity stuff which people love and so I feel like I got really comfortable with a variety of different types of videos on TikTok and that's kind of definitely was accidental in the beginning and I think now even still I it's it's always exciting with the algorithm because it's totally. like it'll go stagnant and I'm like okay I have to get really creative mm-hmm. again um so it definitely keeps me on my toes yeah and can you talk about how you kind of like step outside of your niche because a lot of the videos that I've seen aren't necessarily like about it's not like oh watch me build this grazing table for example or like day in the life of a founder but rather you're like talking about like trends and like other things but like relating it to the business so yeah if you could talk about that I think that'd I mean, be valuable I, yeah I think a lot of people especially in like an industry like the charcuterie board world is that a lot of the people who are posting are posting the same thing which mm-hmm. is videos of their product packing an order with them and you're not really seeing like a huge part of the founder's personality associated with the cheese board and like ultimately I think you might have a video go viral of you being like let me pack an order but at the end of the day like if the people aren't feeling a connection with you as the as the person or the account they're probably not going to like follow and so I started making a lot of videos that were either like somewhat controversial about cheese boards and like making it kind of stuff that seems sort of I don't know like not important at all in the real world and I was just like I made a bunch of videos saying how I hated salami roses or like I don't (laughs) think green grapes belong on cheese boards and it got Mm. like millions of views and people started you know commenting and I made a bunch of like videos responding back to those comments so I feel like the TikTok in general has just been a lot of like kind of conversation surrounding Mm. cheese boards and then other things so I'll talk about like how you know influencers ask me to deliver to them and then 
they don't end up posting and then they like mm-hmm. block me on there. And so I think that that like crazy stories like that are not necessarily directly about cheese boards, but it kind of is more like a small business conversation. So just kind of like understanding that even though I am a, like it's a cheese board account, I do other stuff besides just cheese and recipes. So I'll talk about what it's like to be a young female entrepreneur mm-hmm. or what it's like to be a student and a business student who owns their own business and, you know, a predominantly like probably male setting and business in general. So I think I've kind of like tap danced outside of the niche, but relating everything back, I guess, to cheese at the end of the day. Yeah, totally. And okay, so now I kind of want to talk about sophisticated spreads and it's grown to this very successful business and kind of how you dealt with that because... I don't know. I know you mentioned that you've had to like hire people and you said that you have like delivery drivers and just kind of like how you navigate that all being so young. I think that that is like so wildly impressive. So I wanted to ask you um, a little bit about that, like how or when you realize that, okay, like I can't do this alone just because we're growing so rapidly and doing so many orders. So like, what was that moment of realization for you? Yeah. I mean, I think in the beginning, I kind of, I loved being a part of every single thing that was happening Mm -hmm. with the business, which is like the very exciting part of being an entrepreneur. But then at the end of the day, it was like when we would have really successful days, I was like the only one to celebrate it. And then when Mm -hmm. it was really horrible, like I was also the only one there. And so it's hard going from, especially somebody who worked at a flower shop and like experienced the community and the culture around having like four floral designers and it's Valentine's Day and everyone's working together. And then- my first like Valentine's Day with the business and it was like just me and like suffocating in 45 orders <laughs> and like feeling like I wanted to die so I think that that was kind of when I started to realize that it was just going to be a more enjoyable experience all around and like less stressful if I started hiring people and so that was more of like the emotional side of wise mm-hmm. to kind of started to build a team and then realistically I mean we just had too many orders and like I also realized that if I was going to be doing all these deliveries like at one point I was spending like five and a half hours in my car every day just doing the deliveries and I was like that's great but I can't do any social media that like I yeah, can't do anything it cuts else back on everything it cuts back on everything and I was like I was just one person and so I started outsourcing the delivery driving was like the first thing I was like I don't want to do that anymore. yeah and then I brought my dad onto the business when I started at USC. So that was like about a year in. And obviously I couldn't go to school and full-time run the business. And so he decided that he was, or he offered his ability to, he he's great at making cheese boards. So he started making the boards when I was at school and handling like that sort of things, side of things. And yeah. And I know that you have a commercial kitchen. Mm-hmm. When did you stop doing everything like out of your house or something and like decided to make that transition it was about a year into the business once we had kind of gotten enough orders and we wanted to be a little bit more centrally located that was Mm. when we realized that it wasn't going to be helpful to and also like legally speaking working out of your home but yeah. yeah totally and would you at that time like every day at like 9 a.m like drive in and start putting together boards or like what 
was your schedule like at that time? It kind of depends. So, I mean, in general with orders, the weekends are definitely the busiest. Mm. And so it was, you know, it's a lot of early mornings when it comes to the weekends. So it could be like 5 a.m. or it could be 6 a.m., especially on like a holiday. It's usually like, and we try to, you know, on Christmas or stuff like that, we'll do like orders and get them out the door, all of them by like 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. So then, then we can enjoy our holidays for the most part. So it was definitely a lot of early mornings. Um, and, but it, uh, for the most part, I mean, people don't want their boards at like 8 a.m. So yeah. it's usually nice because we can probably like clock in at like noon or something and get those mm-hmm. boards out. But we're not really that busy during the weekdays, um, which is, you know, a blessing and a curse because then your weekends are taken. Yeah, off, I was going to so say. <laughs> that's kind of a bummer. But we definitely have a lot of more grazing tables on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And did you ever have to like turn down orders just because you were so insanely busy or... Honestly, no. I think I've always kind of been able to find a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. And I think that whether that's for, like, the best, I don't know. But I definitely sacrifice a lot for the business when it comes to stuff. So, like, I mean, we – I did have, like, a realization. This was more of, like, a grazing table that I turned down. And it wasn't really for any reason besides the fact that it was – it was, like, this year, and I missed a bunch of game days. This is going to sound, like, so stupid. No. I missed a bunch of game days last fall, and I remember, like, at the end of my first semester, I kind of thought back to, like, you know, what am I – what did I feel like I missed out on? What do I feel like I really excelled in? And one of the things was that I just, like, I'm here. I'm only here at USC for four years, and, like, for me to miss, like, three or four game days just for, like, a $2,000 grazing table, like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's not really that worth it to me, and – which I think a lot of people, like, could throw shade and be like, it's $2,000. But I think that, um, yeah, I just felt like I had missed out. And so I got an order this like fall and it was a huge, like it was going to be a huge grazing table and it was on a game day. And I was like, I called my dad and I was like, and he was out of town. So it was just Mm going to be me and another employee doing it. And I was like, I I think I'm going to say no. And he was like, okay, that's fine. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, I mean, like you're, you're only in college once. And Mm -hmm. so I think that definitely with that sort of stuff, like I I said no to that more recently, but it still feels like horrible because I'm like, oh, like I want to be able to help everyone and do cheese boards for everyone and like that sort of thing. But as far as like day-to-day orders, we haven't really had to turn anyone down. Well, I say good for you for turning, like, those are literally just two examples. I'm sure those are, like, the only two that you ever turned down. But I say props to you because you're only in college for four years, and college isn't forever, but, like... A business and all of that will always be there and got to put yourself first sometimes yeah, and I know totally. you put the business first like 99.9% of the time so <laughs> I get it Thank you. um and now I would love to talk to you about making the actual grazing tables because okay. I love putting together a charcuterie board I don't think I've told you that but I like always do it for my family it's I think that there's, like, actually an art to it. It's not just, like, throwing stuff on a board. So I was wondering, okay, like, say you have, like, a wedding or something. Because I know you do Mm -hmm. lots of big events for, like, 60 people, for example. Do you start, like, how do you approach that? Do you, like, plan it out beforehand? Do you do all of the cheese first, then the crackers? Like, how do you even begin to start that? So I think, like, first we lay down butcher paper, which is kind of, like, our go-to. And then you layer the different tiered items. And so we would, I would recommend having, like, 
some you want to have height to anything. So mm-hmm. like risers, we like to go to Home Goods because they have mm. such a variety of items. So major shout out to Home Goods if you ever want to partner. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we definitely do a lot of risers and everything, and then also just like flat wooden boards. And then I like to do mason jars and add like tall breadsticks inside of those mm. just to like add some more height. So that's definitely a key to making things look good. And then we start off by laying out like all the grapes, and because that's like the biggest thing. So we do big bundles of grapes, and you want everything to be like especially for a large grazing table I think things look weird when it's really small portions Mm, and so you don't want it to be too big so I would say like two fistfuls of whatever you're putting is like probably a good measurement Mm. to go by and so I would do like two fistfuls of grapes or maybe a little bit more I guess and then so we start off with the grapes and then we lay out like the strawberries and those are kind of big piles and they're alternating in all different parts of the grazing table and then we lay in with like our ciabatta or your baguette or whatever you're going to put in and then also like if there's any large crackers that you want to kind of have to take up space and then from there then we start to build the cheese and so we usually cut I think like my biggest advice for cheese is you don't want anything to be in like whole pieces so I think that's also somewhere that people kind of mess up is that they'll have like a huge block of parmesan Mm -hmm. and the reality is that when people are like eating a grazing table they don't want to sit there and like pick at the grazing (laughs) table and like try to maintain conversation and they're holding a glass of wine and it's just like so you want it to be as easy for the people who are enjoying it so we always cut everything up into like bite-sized pieces so the cheeses like are all crumbled and whatnot and then the brie's are cut into brie rivers which is what mm. I call it so it's just like little slices of brie that we kind of float down um, but you can also keep brie whole because it's soft cheese mm-hmm. but anyway so we like lay out all of our cheeses have a nice variety of different like shapes and sizes and colors and all that sort of stuff and then go in with your meats and so then we'll do like um, prosciutto and soppressata and salami and all that sort of stuff and kind of like folding it however you want but taking up some more volume and space on that and then from there you can kind of do whatever your heart desires I guess mm-hmm. so I would start with like some bigger crackers if you're going to do that and or other crackers I guess and then also like dried fruits so we do a lot of dried fruits and more like and then the last step is what I call the whole fillers and so it's like <laughs> anything that's like tiny items like blueberries or like almonds or whatever and that should just go into really small places that can kind of keep contained um, and I guess I forgot to mention in the beginning if you have any like ramekins and you want to put um, like jelly or jams mm. or olives or cornichon then you would put that in the very beginning like right mm. next to the grapes. Do you do like flowers at all? Because I feel like in yeah. some of the ones I've seen, yeah, there's yeah, been flowers. So we definitely do edible flowers. Um, oh, I oh had, they're edible? Yeah. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I no. had like a huge in the beginning, big misstep. I used like baby's breath, which is apparently non-toxic. It's toxic if you consume incredible lar- large amounts of it. So oh. people said I was trying to kill people. And that <laughs> no. was like a whole viral video that like, it was crazy. I like got canceled for like a hot minute. Um, So yeah, I use all edible flowers. So it's like mm. pansies. So all the really colorful ones that we put on like goat cheese and everything, that's all edible. And then we also add in, we use like a garland that's eucalyptus. So that's mm. okay. And then other like kind of greenery that you can kind of stick in and just make it look more full. And yeah, that's like all the flowers. Because it's kind of like tying together your florist background mm-hmm. with your cheese board yeah. business. Also, by the way, that is like the coolest high school job I've ever had. It was heard so of. much fun. That yeah. is like my dream is to open up a little flower shop and just like put together bouquets all day. It was really, I mean, that's like, I honestly shout out to Jenny from Magical Blooms because I feel like I started there. I was like 15 years old and she 
trusted me with her life. Like, I don't know what she thought I was (laughs) capable of, but I remember, like, my first Valentine's Day or whatever, I, like, walked into the shop, and it was, like, I had worked there, like, just for big holidays mostly in high Mm. school because I wasn't working on, like, a day-to-day basis, and then whenever they would, like, have weddings, I would also do those with her. But it was funny because it was, like, I had never done flower arrangements, like, in her shop it was just always like I was the delivery driver or Mm. I would like manage people who when they came in and like worked on big holiday weekends and I remember it was like actually it was probably my second year and it was Valentine's Day and all of a sudden I don't know what happened but there were not enough like designers Mm. for the amount of orders that had come in and so she like was like you're going like you just got to do it and so I had my own station and I was like oh my god like I was looking at a photo of what it was supposed to look like and then I had to like run around and grab all the right flowers and stick them in the arrangement and like hope that it all worked out and I was like sending off these like $350 arrangements and I had never done flowers before and I was like I hope that and she was like and I remember I would like come to her and I'd be like does this look good like are you sure and she was like stop guessing second guessing yourself like it's great like it's gonna go and then love her so I feel like the confidence that like she instilled in me in that business and just like being able to work under pressure at weddings and stuff like that definitely helped me in like sophisticated spreads yeah there's a lot of crossover even with like putting together a bouquet of flowers is like almost kind of similar in the way that you would put together a cheese board with like the different elements and the different flowers and Mm -hmm. whatnot so good segue into that (laughs) um Okay, now I want to talk about you being a student entrepreneur because I know we talked about it a little bit in the way that, you know, you wanted to, like, go to a few more game days Mm -hmm. and, you know, like, work a little bit or just, like, put a student life first. Yeah. So how has that been for you? Has it been, like, a big challenge? Do you feel like you've missed out on a lot? Do you feel like you have to, like, choose between what you're putting first? Like, what is that whole I guess, battle in your head. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, honestly, at the end of the day, I have such a great team that's, like, supporting me, and, like, my dad's amazing, and he helps out so much with the business, and so I think that I, like, for sure would not be able to be living this, like, double life like Hannah Montana (laughs) if it wasn't for for him and, like, the other people who work on the business. So I think that, like, I'm in a kind of special situation where a lot of other entrepreneurs are, like, trying to start their venture while they're at school, and so I definitely don't envy them for that because I think that that's really hard. But, I mean... I guess it's more of, like, a psychological struggle than it is, like, actually balancing. I mean, I'm somebody who always likes to be doing something. And Mm -hmm. so, for me, if I'm, like, like, I don't have a single day on my calendar where it's just, like, chill and, like, there's nothing on it. And so, if there is, I'm, like, like, this Friday, I looked at my schedule and I was, like, oh, there's nothing. Like, I'm going to shoot six recipes that I want to, like like post about fall um so I think that it's nice to have that with the business where it's kind of like constantly a creative outlet for me but I think going back to the like psychological thing I in the beginning when I got to school I felt like when I was here in college I was like missing out on things that were happening with the business and I would like you know my dad would be doing an event and I would be like freaking out and waiting for somebody to post an Instagram story and Mm -hmm. tag us just so I could see what it looked like and then when I would go home and I was doing events then I was like oh my god I'm missing a game day and so it was just like this constant battle of like I can't be in two places at once and so I think that the first like year of school was pretty difficult with Mm -hmm. that and I kind of felt like I was letting everyone down in a way and then after some time passed and I was able to kind of realize that like my team and I just trusting the people that are working on sophisticated spreads and knowing that like the team that I'm working with is incredible and that they're you know they're gonna kill it regardless Mm -hmm. of if I'm there or not and that was definitely a huge shift for me and then just being at school and realizing that like 
just because I miss one going out night or just because I miss, like, one class, it's not going to be the downfall of the whole semester. And so just really, like, coming to terms with that was more of, like, a mental thing than anything else. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's, like, the biggest struggle for entrepreneurs is, like, I don't know, I feel like you're just getting pulled in a million different directions, but everyone's just trying their best. Yeah. And, like, you know, the best that they can to balance everything. Yeah. Um, And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about building a team that you can trust because I feel like, I think... Well, I know people have, like, co-founders that I've had on the podcast, but I think Mm -hmm. you're the first one that's, like, actually hired people that I've talked Mm -hmm. to. So, can you talk about that process? And, like, I feel like that's so crazy that you were the one, like, interviewing people because constantly we're always, like, prepping for interviews. Yeah, literally. So, well, I guess I'm leading an interview right now, (laughs) weirdly enough. But this is way different. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, Well, I definitely, like, had no experience in that. And so I think that, like people always joke or like I guess I had always heard business owners be like the most difficult part of having a business is hiring people and I was like oh like they're probably just bad at hiring like I don't know (laughs) and then I like started to hire people and I was like oh like this is really a challenge I think that it's definitely underrated how difficult it is to get people who are going to be on your venture and care about it as much as you do if not more like that in and of itself is very difficult I think that people in general are just like probably doing it motivated by money or they want to like kind of tap onto your success or hang on to the coat like coattails of that and it's less about like oh they're really passionate about what you're doing and so I kind of had to weed through a few of those and that was definitely just challenging because you know I'm I'm a really trusting person and then for that to like kind of fall to shit is like oh okay now like where do I go from there so in the beginning I definitely felt like And even, I mean, it doesn't really get easier. I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. you think it's going to work out and then it doesn't, but just not getting, I mean, not putting all of your trust in that person. And I think that I guess my main takeaway from recently hiring people and having it not be the right fit is like taking ownership for the fact that like, you know, especially in a culture where maybe we're only doing one grazing table a week. Like it's not like they're clocking into the office five days a week and they Mm -hmm. understand like the quote unquote like company culture because like we're a cheese board company and we're doing events like in it's all over the place and so I think that just like making sure that the time that we do spend together is like very intentional and a Mm. lot of the stuff that like at least for me I thought was intuitive it's probably not intuitive Mm. and so you kind of have to like put in the effort in the beginning to really like make sure that they feel understood and that they feel like you're communicating with them because I kind of like was just hoping that they would step in and it would be like a magical fit and that it was like I wasn't gonna have to explain anything and the reality is that like I guess I was thinking about this the other day like when big companies hire people I guess the new statistic nowadays is like it costs like that company like $20,000 to hire somebody crazy yeah and so like if it takes the equivalent for me would be like it's gonna take like a month and a half of like me being engaged and like I mean obviously I want the best for this person and Mm -hmm. I want them to succeed but just making sure that I'm doing that and like the best way possible and devoting some of my energy to that very intentionally because I think I just kind of was naive to hope that it was all gonna like fall into place when the reality is that it probably won't yeah managing people is hard it is and it's a great skill set to learn especially as young as we are yeah and how big is your team now exactly 
So we have like a variety of different delivery drivers that fluctuate. So we mm-hmm. have like four that we use on a very regular basis. And one of them is the first delivery driver I ever hired. So Aww. he's like still with the business, which is awesome. And then we have a few different people that we've worked through or worked with when it comes to like building the grazing tables. And mm-hmm. that also fluctuates. So we have two people that we like consistently use. So it's my dad and I who are doing all the grazing tables. And then we'll have two other people who join. And then sometimes if it's like a really big grazing table, we'll have like five people building it and that's when I call in like my college roommate or like you know somebody who kind of understands cheese boards or like is a part of our generation would understand like the vibe with it Mm -hmm. and then we have probably two people who help with prep work depending on the Mm -hmm. event so they also come and they like you know chop everything and make sure that it's all ready to go so I don't know like probably I mean less than 10 for sure and it's very like part-time when it comes to most people so I think on any given weekend we probably have like four or five people that's so impressive, though, that you have a team of, like, what, like, eight to ten people yeah. working with you? Like, that's so awesome. Do you ever, like, look back and you're like, whoa, like, this started me flying out to Miami for, like, yeah. a friend's, like, party to do a grazing table and, like, it it's grown crazy. into this. Yeah, it's funny. I was just out of town last weekend for fall break. I went to Austin, and that was, like, crazy because we had two events on the calendar and I already knew that those were happening and it was like two grazing tables at the same event and so my dad Mm -hmm. was like it's okay don't worry like I'm gonna do it and our employee Dan was gonna come with him and I was like okay all good and then Allison Janie I don't know if you know who she is but she's like famous so so Allison (laughs) shout out Allison um she contacted us like three days before and was like can you do a grazing table for 60 people on Saturday and I was like Oh. oh, yeah, for sure. Like, and I'm, I texted my dad. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, Allison Jane just reached out. And she had followed us for a while. And so, but she had never ordered a grazing table. Mm-hmm. She just ordered tiny boxes. And so I was like, I don't want to say no to her. Mm-hmm. And he was, and I was like, but I'm also not going to, like, ask that you bend over backwards for this. Because I know it's going to be difficult. And so he was like, no worries. Like, we're going to figure it out. And so it was the craziest thing. He was doing, like, this event in Fullerton. And <clears throat> my, my sister, who's, like, 25 and doesn't really, she doesn't work for the business. But she... She did that event with him and then they drove and with our other employee Dan so the three of them did the first two grazing tables and then they left and then Dan cleaned everything up and then drove to Studio City where Alice and Janie lives and started to set everything up and it was Dan and then my college roommate went and joined them and oh my then gosh. my sister and my dad and anyway they ended up taking a photo with Allison at the end and they <laughs> sent it to me and I just like had this moment where I was like we are so lucky to be like not only creating these beautiful spreads and like you know just making this amazing product that every single person who comes in is like oh my gosh this is amazing like that's just so special in and of itself but just like seeing their smiling faces I was like what a random assortment of people but like Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful to have them and like to be working with them and I think it's always like when I do events it's like my favorite thing because it's Mm -hmm. always just like super exciting and uplifting and yeah so love the team and it's awesome that your whole business and like the grazing table specifically are kind of surrounded among celebrations I know you said that like people order for date nights and even then there's something to celebrate there and it's just like it's such people associate it with such like happy totally times and like just even just being around all their loved ones enjoying some good cheese yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and then lastly I probably should have asked this in the beginning but can you run through a little bit like what the different products are for sophisticated spreads yeah so I mean we have a variety of different like trays and boxes Mm -hmm. so the classic thing that we started off with was these they're like paper 
paper leaf trays and so they're compostable and they're like sustainable so and then they go inside these window cake boxes so mm-hmm. like they're little white boxes when you open it up there's a tray inside and the tray is like not super high quality it's like you know you can throw it away afterwards and so that's kind of like our basic option so we have a small medium large on that and then we have a mini option where you can order it if you want to do like corporate gifting so that that's like for one person like but you have to buy it in the large quantity so that's mm-hmm. like our regular boxes and then we have woven trays that are like raffia like mm-hmm. woven stuff and then we also have wooden trays and so that's like we have a medium large and extra large woven tray and then same with the wooden trays so that's like if you wanted and that comes just like wrapped up and you just have to like untie the wrapping and it's like perfect ready to go kind of like a better presentation in general and then we also have charcuterie cones so that's like Mm -hmm. that was born out of covid that was like somebody who reached out and was like we want to have an event but we don't want to have a hundred hands on a grazing table and i was like oh and at that time people weren't really doing charcuterie cones Mm -hmm. and so i had like seen it like maybe one other person had done it and i was like oh that's like pretty cool and so we (laughs) like it was such a nightmare i had an order for 150 of them and they didn't even have like those cones online yet Mm. and so when I got the order I like had to I was trying to figure out if I could wrap paper in a way that would create it into a cone Mm -hmm. and then hold the cheese like I don't know why I thought that that was gonna work (laughs) but I remember I was sitting there and trying to fold like a piece of paper and I was like this is too difficult and so then I went to like the restaurant depot which is like Mm. where chefs go if they need like new knives and stuff and I went in and I was like do you have any cones and like stuff like that and now it's like a huge thing and it's all over Amazon and whatnot but yeah in the beginning that was definitely like a very exciting like thing people were always like oh charcuterie cones how fun um, and then we also do like dessert trays and we can do bagel boxes or if you want like a brunch spread so you can kind of customize each box to whatever you want and then as far as like the grazing tables it's just totally like customizable What's the biggest grazing table you've done? We did a 500-person event. So, yeah, that was insane. That was a really... That was probably such a heavy table. It was, (laughs) it was like, 35 feet long. So it it was was, beautiful. It was insane. I mean, that was, like, really... We had, like, so many people prepping, and then, like, we filled up an entire... My dad has, like, a Ford Expedition. So the entire Ford Expedition was filled to the brim, and I was driving my Jeep Grand Cherokee filled to the brim, and it was just, like, insane setting that whole thing. I wish I had taken a time lapse of it, because it was just, like, crazy. But, yeah, it was pretty pretty cool. I know I'm kind of jumping around, but I just want to ask you so many things. Um, What is, like, one... Because I know you said you said yes to a lot of orders that you maybe, like... Like necessarily shouldn't have but what's like your greatest example of like launching now and then like adapting later yeah so this i think that's a great mindset i'm gonna start adopting i like it i love it i think it's yeah i think it's important because so many people like sit on concepts and then they're like well i'm gonna be ready in six months or like you know the market's gonna shift a little bit or i'm Mm -hmm. gonna have more time and like i feel like i do that in so many other areas of my life but one thing is like i don't do that in the business i'm kind of just like i want to do this right now when it's gonna happen so yeah launch quickly and adapt later i love that um so yeah, and it was in November of 2020. I had launched, I'd been in the business for three months. We had no employees and I had somebody reach out to me and they were based up in San Francisco and they had a company with about 200 employees and they wanted to do like boxes to give to their employees for Thanksgiving. And so that yeah. was like their whole like Christmas Thanksgiving gift was going to be these cheese board boxes. So I got on the phone with him and he was like, we have 200 employees. And I was like, okay, okay. 
And he was like, so we would need 200 boxes. And I was like, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> and at the time, like, our biggest order was, like, 10. Like, maybe 10 boxes. So oh. I had definitely never done that much. And then he was like, and then we're based in San Francisco, so can you, like, bring them up here? And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. <laughs> Like, had no idea how I, I was going to do that. And I'm on this phone call. And then he was like, and then it needs to happen in, like, two. It was, like, two weeks from then. Which was, was enough time. But, like, I, That's, yeah, I, like, like hung up. The, and I said, and then at the end he was like, and it's going to be $20,000. And I was like, sure. Okay, perfect. That so is then, crazy. Yeah, it was, like, Ugh. insane. So then it was, <laughs> it was so crazy. So then I hung up the phone. And then I walked into the kitchen. And I was like, Dad. I think I made a mistake, and he was like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "You're like, what uh, well, great news. We just got an order for tw- like." And at this point, he wasn't even working in the business, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "I just got an order for twenty thousand dollars worth of cheese boards, but it's in San Francisco or like in the Bay Area, and it's like the week. It was like the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, and oh, he wow. was like." Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And so then I called my cheese guy. And at that point, I was ordering quantities for like three boxes a week or like mm-hmm. four boxes a week. And I was like, can you get your wholesalers to get me 200 boxes worth of cheese for like two weeks from now? And he was like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? And so like that, and then I got that all figured out. So I figured out like everywhere what I, everywhere I was going to buy from, mm-hmm. including like, that was the first time I had struck a deal with like any of my fruit people. And so I, I was the like on people. the phone, I was on the phone like negotiating and I was like, I'm going to do like 75 pounds of grapes. Also like that was crazy. Like portioning out when you've only done, like I've only bought. And like yeah. at that point I was like, I had been going to the grocery store for my fruit. So I was like... I think that I used this much, like, grapes, and I wasn't even using a scale. Like, I don't even know how that ended up working out, but... I got That's like crazy. all the great. It was like so many. Pa- it was crates upon crates, and so, and then I had to figure out where I was going to set everything up because mm. it was two hundred boxes. Yeah, that's a lot. And at that point, we were still at my house, and so I was like, "Well, we can't set everything up there." And so I was thinking to myself, and I was like, "Well, all the schools, like in the school district, are online because of COVID." So I was like, I reached out to my elementary school principal, and it was a new principal. It wasn't the person I. And I was like, I was explaining to her what was going on and she was the only person in the office right and so she was like okay she was like I'm gonna go introduce you to the custodian and I was like perfect and so I go to the custodian and she was like in on it which was amazing it was like really funny and she was like he'll give you the keys to the multi-purpose room and 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 you can have access to like where they make all the food lunch like the lunches Mm. and the fridge and everything like that I'm sure that they could get in major trouble and I probably could too but anyway so he gave me the keys and everything everything in exchange for I gave him a hundred dollars and I made him a cheese board and like sent him off and then I set up the entire like I laid down all of the like lunch tables where I used to eat my like lunch in elementary school this is just keeps getting better. it was so crazy and then like the kit like the commercial because like, they have a commercial kitchen and so we fit all the grapes and everything in there the day before and then we like showed up on the day of to make all the boxes and I had reached out to a bunch of like my friends who I knew who were like either doing community college or like taking a gap year and they were in Palos Verdes and so I was like can I have like 12 hours of your time today I'll pay you like $15 an hour and they all showed up at like 7 30 in the morning and we had and like I had never trained any of them on how to make a cheese board and so I was kind of just hoping that it was all gonna work out but we had like an assembly line where we lined up all we like did like 50 at a time so we had 25 on one row and like 25 on another table and these are like 10 by 14 inch boxes so they're not like that tiny like they're pretty yeah wait that's big 
Yeah, they were bigger than I'm imagining. Yeah, okay, I, like, yeah. I thought, yeah, it was big. So, anyway, we set them all up, and we would just, like, pop through, and we were, like, running by with, like, okay, here are the crackers, and here's the cheese, and, like, whatever. And so, it was kind of just, like, flying by the seat of our pants. And then we, like, broke for lunch, and then we finished the rest of them, and we finished by, like, 8 p.m. We had done all 200. Then it took, like, a, we had to load them in to the fridge so that they could be there overnight. Mm-hmm. And then... The issue was that the people in, in the Bay Area wanted them. I don't know why they need. Oh, I guess because their their company was remote at the time, so they were told all their employees to come in at nine a.m. to oh, pick gosh. up their holiday boxes, <laughs> and they had five different offices all over the Bay. Of and course so, they do. Yeah. So I had called a friend of mine who was going to Stanford, but he was doing it online. So he was in PV and I was like, I have a proposition for you. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I'll pay you $300. We're going to drive, you're going to drive my dad's car, the Ford Expedition in the middle of the night. So we left at like 2.30 in the morning and we... Sure, and he said yes. So we filled up the entire car, and he came to my house like the day before, um, or like the week before, to figure out a if we were gonna have to like rent a U-Haul or if my dad's car was gonna fit mm-hmm. all these boxes. Because I had this, that's like, what I was gonna ask. Yeah, I mean, like I had a concern. I was like, do you think that it's even gonna work? And he was like a computer science major from Stanford, so he came with like a measuring tape, <laughs> and he was like measuring the square footage, and he was like, yeah, it'll work. Like it could fit 174, and I was like, oh, so you mean like there's gonna be no viewpoint out of the back? So just like picture like we and we had built these like things so that it wasn't going to put too much weight on the bottom oh my gosh it was crazy yeah so we filled all of them and then we got in the car this is crazy and we like cranked up the ac go (laughs) because like for sure we were supposed to we were supposed to have like a refrigerated van for delivery but i was like screw it so we had our like ski coats on and it was just like the coldest (laughs) the car could go and we drove up in the middle of the night and it was like 2 30 in the morning we left la got to the Bay Area and started doing all the deliveries so we would like drop off like 50 boxes at each office and it ended up working like out completely fine and it went really well um but yeah I mean it was just like a crazy crazy moment for the business I mean we haven't even gotten like an order that big since then Mm -hmm. so it was definitely a fun fun adventure for sure I was gonna say I'm just like imagining you all in like your elementary school (laughs) Like, lunchroom, assembly line. Like, that is so awesome. It's, like, burned in my memory. Like, I just will never forget, like, the people that I had there. And I remember, like, my dad and I were, like, walking to make sure everything was going well. And he was, like, it was just crazy. And then we, like, hadn't bought enough stuff of one thing. Mm. And we realized we were going to run. So he's, like, running to Costco to buy more. And it was just, like, so crazy. That's so awesome, though. It goes to show that, like, it takes a village. And it's, like, the most rewarding process ever. Totally. Oh. I love that's a great story that is so good and then lastly now that sophisticated spreads has reached a successful point like what are the next steps for you is this something that you want to do post-grad like what is the like five-year plan for sophisticated spreads I definitely think it's going to evolve with time and I'm not really like connected to any sort of any outcome any which way which I think is important but I guess right now the like feeling of the week or like I don't know the season of this business for me is that I kind of am hoping to create a culinary experience surrounding cheese that's kind of like a plated experience Mm. and so in and have that be adjacent to having a storefront and so like having it somewhere on the west side and a place where people can like connect not only like the brand but to a feel Mm because 
mm-hmm. right now everything's virtual and so having something where you can step inside and be like oh this is sophisticated spread so we would have catering out the back half of the place and have you know our grazing tables you know at prep space there and then also doing our boxes and everything and then having a cheese counter where you can come and like do tastings casually if you're like oh I want to you know pick up cheese for my cheese board that I'm making tonight so we could like do recommendations and pairings mm. and have really cool brands that we love and like we use in our boxes there and then also have an option where you can do like sit down and maybe have some tables or something where people can come and do a cheese tasting that's paired with maybe wine like a wine flight and then also have cheese boards where people are not cheese boards but cheese kind of like a blue cheese and a chutney and have it just kind of be a really immersive cheese dining experience that would be amazing yeah because i feel like cheese board charcuterie like everything's based around like community almost and sophisticated spreads definitely is so just like bring that irl and with like a ton of other people as well i think that that would be amazing yeah definitely and i think that like Honestly, a lot of people don't really know how to pair cheeses and like what to do when it comes. And we talked a little bit about this on here, but I think that having something where you don't even have to worry about kind of like, oh, does this go well together? But having something that's like perfectly plated for Mm -hmm. you and then you can really focus on the conversation you're having from there. Yeah. And then you can like pick up on all the little tips and tricks and be like, oh, I had this at Sophisticated Spreads. I'm going to do this and bring it back home. Totally. Amazing. So now moving into the speed around of questions, here our perspective, we do this so the listeners can get to know the guests on the podcast on a little bit more of a personal level. And because perspective is an extension of Spec Magazine, a fashion, lifestyle, culture, and wellness publication here at USC, we like to frame the questions regarding these topics. So just answer with whatever comes to mind. So I also like try to relate them a little bit to whoever I have on. So to begin, um, What's your favorite cheese? Oh my gosh. Um, so many different ones. I guess I would go camembert. Okay. Which is like a fancy brie. Yeah. I <laughs> love brie. Yeah. Like a best. baked brie with honey oh is probably so like us. so good. I could put honey on literally anything. Like if I make up a char- charcuterie board, you probably know this. I am always enough. putting yeah. honey on like right there with it. Um, what's your favorite TikTok trend right now? gosh oh my gosh so many um oh i like the tiktok trend where people are like it has nothing to do with me but like people are like oh i'm so scared of her dad have you seen that and then no it's like photos of like your dad being totally harmless like it's Uh i don't know how to describe it but it's it's kind of funny okay i'll look out for it i'm sure it'll literally pop up right after because we're talking about it right now um do you have any other hobbies like outside of your business yeah well i'm definitely a big foodie so i love trying new restaurants i guess that's like still business related somewhat um but i love being in the ocean so i try to go to the beach like all the time even during the winter i love being there and i love pilates so that's definitely a big hobby of mine and then i love to read like i read every night Ooh, what are you reading right now? Um, the we met on vacation or people mm. people we meet on vacation. Okay, yeah. nice. It's good. Um, what are you currently watching? I know you like probably don't oh even gosh. have time to watch Netflix. No, or anything. I always like I, my thing is I love having Netflix on in the background when I'm mm. making cheese boards, and so I Ooh, always I, bet, yeah. I like I love it. Um, so I'm watching Grey's Anatomy, but like for mm. the fifth time, like I just that's my comfort show. I love a comfort show. I know. I've seen um. Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh my god! Like 
stop seven times. That's my favorite show. Favorite show. Favorite show. I could, like, oh, my God, the finale of that show, my roommate and I, she hadn't watched the entire series, and then she came in on, like, the sixth episode or whatever. That's not allowed. And she came in, and our other roommate came in, and we were both just sobbing, like, for the last episode. It It was so good. I can't even get into that show right now so. because I love it so much. Um, oh, wait. This actually perfectly leads into my next question. Okay. So, for those of you listening, um, Emmy kind of, like, started the whole girl version of the Roman Empire. Like, you know that TikTok video that I'm talking about? Yeah, that's her. So, what's <laughs> your version, your girl version of the Roman Empire? Oh, my gosh. I actually thought about this, obviously, like, so much because everyone was posting it and I still couldn't come to an answer. I'm definitely a true crime person. Like, that's, like, Ooh. my guilty pleasure. okay so i like become this is so weird but i become obsessed with like when like ted bundy when that like Mm. whole movie came out like i got way too deep into that so i would say maybe like ted bundy that's kind of weird um i feel like true crime is a lot of people's yeah like that kind of for women i don't know why but i feel i think it's because we're always just so scared and like Mm -hmm. i don't know like there's something in us like maybe it's like our maternal nature just to be like like, always on guard (laughs) yeah i think that's fair yeah i like can't get into true crime because i just i know it i'll freak myself out yeah but my roman empire i was thinking about this the other day is daisy jones and the six really 100 percent i'm criminally obsessed so it's so good it's so good i get that Um, okay, so I know you're a big music fan. Like, just seeing you on Instagram, always going to festivals and whatnot. Yes. So, what's, like, one album that you could listen to, like, all the way through and not get sick of it? Oh, honestly, anything by Lainey. That's, like, my favorite Ooh. band. And I feel like I became so into them, like, in 2016. That was my, like, I just was obsessed. So, I would say Malibu Nights by Lainey. Mm. Nice. I, like, recently followed him on TikTok. Oh, my gosh. Paul and, Jason Klein. And he's so cute. He's so cute. I'm obsessed. Yeah. He's, like, gone through a bunch of different hair phases. He had long hair. Mm. I was in love. And then he has, like, short hair. And then he, like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed. Okay, what is, like, who is your celeb crush? Oh, that's so tough. I would say... I love Sam Claflin, honestly. That's... So true. So, so fire. But I also love Matthew Gray Goobler, like, in a very weird way. I just have always been... He's, like, the main character from Criminal Minds. Oh, okay. Like the, and, um... Yeah, Maddie Healy from the 1975. So many different ones. I just Wait, saw them I didn't live. know you were a 1975 fan. Oh my god, I went and I saw Wait, them. And same I died. at the Hollywood Bowl. No, well, I saw them in Austin City Limits. Oh, okay. And it was oh, like an <gasps> unreal experience. He, he had glasses so- on. I know. I, oh, I love Maddie Healy. <laughs> well, we're hitting on all my favorite topics right now. I'm obsessed so with Maddie Healy, so Harry Styles, and John Mayer. Okay. That is my whole yeah. trilogy. Oh, oh, that's it right there. Right? The John Mayer. That just really brought it home. Mm-hmm. Okay, well... That wraps up season three, episode three with Emmy. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. You are legit running a very, very successful business as well as being a full-time student. So I know that your time is precious and I really appreciate you coming on the pod. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. It's so much fun. Of course. 
Um, for my listeners out there, make sure you're following at Sophisticated Spreads on Instagram and TikTok to follow along Emmy's founder journey and hear all the crazy stories that she has to share and the ones that she will encounter. And lastly, of course, give SpecMag USC on Instagram a follow to stay updated about new episodes of the Perspective Podcast. Thank you again, Emmy. You're the best. And I can't wait to see where Sophisticated Spread takes you and all the new ventures that it'll spark. Oh, thank you so much. Of course. All right. Well, I'm your host, Chloe Kopsky. Thank you for listening to the third episode of season three. I'll be back soon with another USC student story. Thank you.